All right, we're going to continue on in this journey in truth. What is truth, though, you, you guys? We have been on this series for a while, so what is truth? When you hear that word, what do you think about? And this is you, this is question and answer. You, you have to talk, okay? So what is truth? Honesty, very good. What else is truth? Unchanging, okay. What else is truth? Jesus is truth, okay. What else? Ah, God's word. God's word is truth. Our journey in this is actually out so i'm sorry you guys will have to on on this side you have to kind of look at this way journey in truth for me is the word of god now back some years ago some of you may remember this message that kevin taylor he preached i'm gonna steal his title today because it just fits what um what i feel like god has wanted me to to speak on today and the title of my message is the road the rub and the rut. Now, how many of you remember that message? Raise your hand. Does anybody remember that message? Good, good, because I'll take credit for everything today. No, I'm just <laughs> it was a message that Kevin delivered probably 15 years ago. Um, but I remember the message because it impacted my life in such a way that I could see myself on the road sometimes, in a rub, or on the in a rut. We'll start off with a little story. How many of you like hunting? Raise your hands. How many of you like to hunt? Okay. How many of you have ever been raccoon hunting? We don't call that raccoon hunting. You call it coon hunting. If you call it raccoon hunting, you're a city slicker. Okay. You call it coon hunting around here. So how many of you have ever been coon hunting before? All right. Good. So you sort of know. I'll tell you the way it works is this. When it gets nighttime, you go load your dogs up or a dog up and you go out in the woods and you let that dog run until he starts barking. And it's a consistent bark that he has. And what that signals to the hunter, it says, hey, I've got something over here and it's supposed to be a raccoon. And it's amazing. You'll get to that tree and you can't find nothing. Now, sometimes there will be a raccoon up in the tree, but raccoon hunting, coon hunting, how many of you like, I mean, I've I've seen hands of how many of you went coon hunting or have done, how many of you actually like that jump? Raise your hand. Hmm. We got one person, Tim Widener. Tim Tim would probably be the only one that would like coon hunting. But I I tell you, if, if you like coon hunting, God bless you. Something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with you. Because let me tell you something. When, when, when the sun goes down, it's time to be in the house. <laughs> it's time to get ready for bed. But my daughters, they sort of like that coon hunting with their poppy. That's Becky's dad. And he loves it. Man, he loves it. And so, you know, he always wanted me to go with him. Always wanted me to go. I would go with him every once in a while if he didn't have anybody to go with just for safety purposes. 
But you know, probably Tim, how many years has it been since you've been coon hunting? Has it been recently? Okay, so back in back seven or eight years ago, did they have GPS that you put on dogs and all that stuff? Okay, well, my father-in-law, he's got this collar that he puts on his dog, and it tracks that dog wherever that dog goes. It can be a mile away, and it's going to track that dog. Well, then you got this little GPS thing that sits in your hand, and you pin your truck so that you, if you go a mile away in the woods, you can work your way back to the truck, okay? So one night... Me and my daughters, they want to go coon hunt with Poppy. Let the dogs out. We go in there. Dogs go, and we get to the get to the coon. I think we actually got the coon that night. One of the very few, and I always want to do this. If, if it ain't Jesus, don't answer it. I always wanted to do that with somebody when I was speaking. I always thank y'all, whoever that was. I always wanted to do that. But um, but anyway, we got there, and my father-in-law I said, "All right." Let's head on back to, he said, let's head on back to your truck. So we, he's looking at his GPS and Jimmy has got his head down and he's just steady walking. And we're all tracking behind him because he's supposed to know where he's going. So we come across this log. I step over this log. Then about 10 minutes later, I come back and I stepped over the log again. And then I come back and I, and it happens like four or five times. I said, Jimmy, I ain't a smart man. But I swear we've crossed that law four or five times. What you talking about? I said, something's not right. And so what happened is I think you have to get those things calibrated every once in a while. I don't know much about those things. But anyway, his his GPS tracker that's supposed to be leading us out didn't lead us anywhere but deeper into the woods. So I ended up having to call Becky, and Becky rides the, the road up there and... Um, blows the horn she basically at, at 12 o'clock at night 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning she's just laying on the horn and we're following the road we're just trying our best to get to her well thank god that's something my kids from ever want to go coon hunting again because they never want to go because tracking around at two o'clock in the morning ain't that fun so he lost two hunting partners and three because i don't care anything about going coon hunting so he starts asking other people to go with him so one night, one night I'm sitting there and he, he had asked a couple of people to go. And about 11 o'clock, my phone rings and it says, Jimmy, I said, he's done got stuck somewhere. I know him. I know him like the back of my hand. If he's doing something, it's just a matter of time for something is going to come up. So sure enough, hey, I need you to bring the tractor I've gotten stuck on this on, on game management on this game management road in a rut. <laughs> he said, "You need to bring the tractor." I said, "Listen here, that's a forty-five minute drive. It's eleven o'clock. That's going to put me a you know hour and a half just travel time on the tractor." I tell you what, I'm going to do. I'm going to bring my little white truck, and if we can get it out with it, fine. If not, your truck's going to sit there till the next morning when I can get it, because I'm not, I'm not staying at 1 or 2 o'clock. Your tail's the one who want to go hunting this late night. Your truck can stay out there. I love him to death, but I like my sleep too. So, I get over there, and sure enough, he's got himself way off the road and no business being back where he was without four-wheel drive. So, he's stuck, and not only is he stuck, he's wedged himself in between two trees. I'm like, good Lord, Jimmy. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it right, right? 
So um, I'm thinking, okay, there's no way I can pull him back, okay, in my truck. My truck is a 1998 Toyota Tacoma. It's very light. He's got a full-size Chevrolet. I knew there's no way I could get him back. So the trees, the way they were, I could finagle my truck because my truck's small enough. I could finagle around there and get back on the road in front of him. I get hooked up to him, and I'm able to pull him. And, of course, with his help, and you need to keep that in mind in this message. Now, I didn't just, you know, he can't put it in park, and I just drag him down the road. There's no way my truck could do that. So he has to put it in drive. He has to help me, right? So I drag him down the road. Then I had to back him up, drag him backwards. Then I had to drag him back up the road, through the rut, finally back on the road. Now, I tell you that story because I want you to start thinking about your life and the journey and truth that you're on individually. Because all of us, all of us are on, are on a journey in life, right? We all have different paths. One thing that you need to keep in mind is this. When we talk about this journey in truth, when we talk, you're talking about God's word. Because let me tell you something, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your work, whether it's your friendships, whether, I don't know what else it could be, but anyway, you're going to have times when you're going to be on the road, the rub, or the rut. And we'll cover each one of those shortly. But you need to ask yourself, hey, do I seek out truth? Do I seek out truth? Or do you seek out how you feel? Do you seek out the approval of of others? Or do you seek out God and what God has to say? What is motivating? This This is huge. What motivates your actions? What is your motivation behind what you do? Is it truly God and his Holy Spirit leading you, or or is it your comfort zone, or what you want to do? Is it self-gratification? Life is a journey, and we're all on different paths. But I think you can sum it up in these three words, road, rub, and rut. How do you know the difference? Okay, so we're going to start with the road. The road, of course, is a place where you need to be. Okay? The road, how many of you like paved roads? Okay? How many of you like, like when, right here on Village Drive, when they just paved it? Man, I love it. I love just getting on a nice paved road. If you, if you live out where we live, it's like, I mean, you're dodging potholes and, you know, it's just, it's, the roads are awful. But man, I love, I love a nice paved road. Okay? But in your journey in truth in this life, you're not going to have a paved road for so long, right? The road may have potholes here and there, but overall, it's by far the best way to travel. Now, on your pieces of paper, what I want you to do is this, okay? And the reason why I gave these pieces of paper to you is I want you to write down so that, and, I, and it's on cardstock. It's not that little flimsy paper. This should last you a little bit longer. So you can put it at work. You can put it, um, you can put it on your refrigerator, whatever you want to do. But I want you to write the road and in the middle, write the rub toward the bottom. I want you to write the rut. Okay. 
So leave yourself a little bit of space because what we're going to do is we're going to cover each one of these today. Okay. And then I'm going to give you scripture on each one of these. And if we're on this journey in truth, God's word, God's word is really the only thing. We just sang a song. I took a picture of it so I wouldn't forget because I'm bad about forgetting. And I had to put my old man glasses on. It says this, when all hope is gone, and you guys just saying this, and your word is all I've got. When you lose hope, and all you got is God's word, you got to lean on God's word. So I'm going to give you some shortcuts of wherever you're at. If you're on the road, if you see yourself getting rubbed, or you're in a rut, I'm going to give you God's word. And you can go back and read God's word, okay? Because that's where we need to be. Okay. So, at the top, you got the road. I want you to write down Galatians 5, 22 through 25. So, Galatians 5, 22 through 25. And this describes to me is the best scripture about the road. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That is road living. Okay, it's not saying that life's a paved road all the time. Because here's the deal. 24 is probably your key verse. If you want to put an asterisk, 24 is your key verse. Those who belong to Jesus Christ. So if you acknowledge that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, your opinion doesn't count anymore. Your feelings don't trust them. The Bible says you have nailed the passions and desires of our sinful nature to his cross and you killed them. Does that get any more plain? You kill them. You've got to kill your sinful desires. You've got to kill your sinful nature. You have to nail it to the cross. The road to me is a path of selflessness. It's a path of faith. It is a path of sacrificing, of dying to oneself daily. You taking that sinful nature and you nailing it to the cross. To me, it's God's preferred way. Who wouldn't want the fruit of the Spirit in their lives? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, those things right here, we, we should desire. We should desire love. We should desire joy. Peace and patience. You know, those things we should have a desire for. Not, hey, what do I get out of it? Not looking at it from that perspective. But, you know, we will have roadblocks. You know, you're going to have potholes. You're going to have some detours, right? There's always going to be something that tempts us off the road. But the cool thing is that I've always found, and this is in my life, is that God always provides a way to get back on it. 
You need to write down 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Because I'm telling you, there's going to be times where you're going to be tempted to get off the road. So 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. It says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. That means that, you know what? I'm going to be tempted. Jeremy, you're going to be tempted. Just like Tim, you're going to be tempted. Steve is going to be tempted. No matter who you are, Lisa, you're going to be tempted. Whoever you are, you are going to be tempted just like I will. I don't, you know, Steve has been a pastor here for 46 years, five years, 41, something like that. It's over 40 years. That's a long time. Steve, do you have temptations? I do. Absolutely. All of us, none of us are excused from temptations. The cool thing is this. Temptations in your life are no different. And God is faithful. He will always allow the temptation, never allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. But when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So you need to have that 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Because let me tell you something. You're going to find out a lot of times in life you're going to be tempted to get off the road. Which leads us to part two, the rub. How many of you like to be rubbed the wrong way? That ain't fun, is it? Sometimes we have no clue how we've gotten off the road. But somehow we did some, I have literally seen people. Have you now? I know Sean. Sean is a well. He's retired now, so he's a former cop. Have you ever seen anybody just veer off the road, just like, and you work an accident? And you're like, what in the world were you thinking? I mean, just like, it happens. But sometimes I'm sure he's seen where people have maybe been distracted and kind of eased off the road very suddenly, and then jerked back on and had a wreck. You know that happens a lot. Well, life is no different. Some of you guys will just veer off the road and it's like, what in the world are you thinking? You about to, you about to head into a disaster. And it ain't pretty. Sometimes we can see it subtly happening. And it's easy for all of us to, to allow that to happen. But I believe that we have to be willing to see the truth in our own lives and here's the truth. So under the rub, I want you to write down James 1.14. James 1.14. And it says this. It says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. That's your rub. You know, when you feel like, when you feel like something's rubbing you, off that road to where you know whether it's in your attitude or your actions when you feel it you can rest assured more than likely it's probably from our own evil desires our own desires and i love it what scripture says is, hey here's what happens to it it entices us it lures it lures us and then before you know it it drags us away that's what happens that's what can happen with sin you ever known anybody and I, and you know don't think i'm talking about you um because we've all done it i can tell you in my life when i've had sin this place is the is probably the one place i don't want to be to be honest with you and that's just the truth 
when I've got sin in my life, I'll go AWOL. And that's for the majority of people who have sin in their life because they don't want to feel conviction. God, I ain't worried about God. I'm worried about how I feel. I want to be honest with you. When we see people go through situations, whether it be in your job, whether it be in your relationships, whether it be in your marriages, whether it be in your friendships, whatever people have rubbed you off the road, here's what usually creeps in. Selfishness. Selfishness comes up. Pride starts to well up. That I'm right syndrome. How many of you like that? I'm right. And everybody else is wrong. That I told you so. That you know what? I'm going to win no matter what. Even if it costs me everything, doggone it. I'm going to do it just to prove that I'm right. You know, Robert Sally, back when we had our first session of Grace Marriage, he gave a nugget. Oh my gosh. If y'all aren't a part of Grace Marriage, you're missing it. And if you're married, you need to be a part of it. I'm just going to be honest with you. But Robert Sally, every time he's in our group, he gives us a nugget every time. The first nugget Robert gave us, when we talked about winning arguments, he said, what do you win? You know what you win? You win a ticked-off spouse. That's what you win. And it's like, ooh, you know what? He's right. Because anytime I won an argument with Becky, she ain't very happy with me, you know. Likewise, if Becky wins argument, I'm really not happy with her. What do you win? Listen, you're going to be rubbed. You're going to be rubbed whether it's from your parents and how you're raised. If you got siblings, you're going to be rubbed by your siblings. If you got friends, you're going to be you're going to be rubbed by your friends. And you know what? You're going to be rubbed by your spouse because he or she can get up on your skin faster than anybody, right? Because <laughs> they know you the best. You're going to get rubbed, folks. You're going to get rubbed. Whoever it is that's rubbing you, here's some news for you. You're giving them too much credit. You're giving them too much credit. You need to write down John 10, 10 under the rub. John 10, 10. John 10, 10 says this. It says, the thief's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. So notice, notice God didn't say, hey, um, Mark, it's, it's Becky's fault. It's Be- Becky's trying to kill, steal, and destroy you. Mm-mm. Nah. No, it's that co-worker. Or it's that jerk of a boss. It's that jerk of a boss. that he, He's trying to steal and kill and destroy your career. No. Don't give him that much credit. The enemy, the enemy, Satan himself... He seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his purpose. That's it. So if you're being rubbed, and you've heard it here before, especially in this road and journey of in truth and our faith, you know, Steve, Steve's preached on numerous times. Sometimes, what happens if it is God? Can God, is God the one that kind of can rub us? Well, I'll tell you something. There's one word. There is one word that God uses for me. And when I hear this word, I know that it's God. No doubt. When God says mirror. 
when I, when I think about or that word, and that needs to be your word, if you hear mirror, you better stop and pay attention. Because if that person, if you have a person that continually rubs you the wrong way, and you hear that word, it's time for self-examination. That means, hey, you better look in the mirror and see if that part is not in your life. You know, if you if you got somebody that gossips, ooh, man, and it just gets up on your skin. And it continually happens, continually happens, and, and you hear or you mirror, am I gossiping about people? What about my, my wrong actions? You know, when people just do things that are wrong, have I wronged anybody in the past? That's usually for me, for me, when I hear that word, I know it's God. I can be critical. Becky, tell you, I can be critical of other people. I think we all can be critical. And God will use a person, a specific person in my life who is very critical and it just rakes my nerves. And it's God to just remind me, Mark, why it's getting on your nerves so much now is because you've allowed that to creep in your life. And he's just trying to lovingly smooth that rough edge off of my life and get that off because he knows you know hey yeah it does get on my nerves but you know what Mark you getting on my nerves with your critical spirit and your critical thoughts you need to write down James 4 1 under the rub James 4 1 says this what is causing quarrels and fights among you don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? So if you're fighting, it's almost like Robert said, is it just a point that you got to win? And then once you win, what do you win? You just probably just want a ticked off person and destroy the relationship. Lastly, we'll go through is the rut. The rut, in my opinion, is absolutely where you don't want to be. Um, it's a place that you can get stuck at, and it can seem hopeless. You can feel in despair. You feel like you're drowning. That, you know what, this is about as good as life's going to get. And you know what, no matter what you do, nothing seems to be working for you. How many of you ever been in a rut before? I know I have. I was in a rut for about a year after my mom passed away. And uh, I got into a rut with some very specific people in my life and how I treated them. And it wasn't fun. So where is the truth in those times? When you don't feel like that God's anywhere near, you have to rely on God's word, plain and simple. You need to write down Hebrews 13, 5. <clears throat> Hebrews 13, 5. 
Hebrews 13.5 says this. It says, make sure that your character is free from the love of money. And I think you can actually broaden that. Probably character, your character needs to be free from anything, anything more than God. And I love what it says, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever abandon you. For me, contentment is something that we all chase. Contentment, we, we try to have contentment in our finances. You know, how, how many of you have, and you don't have to raise your hand, but if you want to, I'll be sure to ask you afterwards to, for a loan. How many of you are content in your finances? Okay, good. Majority of us are never content in our finances. I work in a business. How much profit is enough? It never seems to be enough. There's always something that's got to push you, right? How many of you, how many of you are content in your marriage? How many of you are content in your jobs, in your families? Hey, how many of you are content here at church? There's always a place in your life for rut to happen. The minute that your expectation isn't met in any of these areas, and this is something that we covered in Grace Marriage about expectations in our spouse especially. But you can look at it at your job. You can look at it here in church. You can look at it in your friendships. The minute that your expectations aren't met, what happens? You become, well, first off, you're discontent. You get rubbed off the, off the road. You get rubbed away from that relationship, don't you? You know what? You, you, I've, I've actually seen people financially, and it makes no sense, to be in a rut, to be thousands of dollars in debt, and say, the heck with it. You know what? <laughs> I'm more, I don't see any end in sight. I'm going all out. And it doesn't make any sense. Some people I've seen done with marriages. I've seen people, a lot of people were done with jobs. You know, get into a rut and got to change jobs. Seen it here at churches a lot of times. I've been a part of three churches in my 47 years. And we got to change churches. We feel like, you know what? I got to take matters in my own hand because you know what, God, you're too slow. You're too doggone slow. <laughs> By God, I got to do something. I got to get some relief. And before you know it, boy, you you like my father-in-law. You know, not only are you in a rut and got stuck in it, but you done got yourself wedged in between two trees and you ain't going nowhere. I want you to write down this. I want you to write down three areas. There are three things they can put you in a rut, okay? And I'm going to give you scripture based on these three areas. First area, what can put you in a rut? Well, it ought to be pretty obvious. Sin's, sin can put you in a rut. Habitual and continuous sin, I will tell you, is a cancer to your spirit that not only has a spiritual component, it has an emotional component as well as a physical component. 
Y'all, I, I kid you not, I have seen people who live in sin, they abuse their bodies, and it shows. The worst part is, what you see physically is far worse spiritually. Romans 6.23, if you will, put up under sin. You need to realize what the cost, when you're in a rut, and if sin has put you in a rut, you need to hear truth. And you hear truth in love. I love you enough to tell you the truth. The wages of sin is death. That means something's got to die, y'all. Something's going to die. If you got sin and that's put you in a rut, you're killing something. It may be killing a relationship. It may be killing opportunities. It may be killing your testimony. But I promise you, your sin is killing something. Number two, another area that can put you in a rut is unmet expectations. Lack of contentment. And Stephen M., I think, I think they probably had a little bit better response, uh, more discussion. Uh, I think that's the area y'all said, you and Donnie said y'all had to skip, didn't you? I mean, y'all were on expectations so long in Grace Mary's that they end up having to go through their <laughs> another hour worth of it. Expectations is huge. How many of you have expectations in life? I mean, that's, what, that's really what drives us, right? I mean, look, how many of you love going to work? How many of you love going to work? Okay. God, really? Y'all don't like going to work that bad? Okay, so if I ask you to do your job without a paycheck, how many of you, how many of you would still go to work without a paycheck? Praise the Lord. Some of you would. I promise you I would. I, I don't like insurance that much. I don't like getting cussed out enough. I don't like getting fussed out about your premium going up to do it for free. So they pay me. I have an expectation when I go to work, and if I get there and I work from 9, and I work there until most times it's 6, sometimes 6.30, I expect to get paid. I mean, I love y'all, but I got to make commission. I got five people I have sworn on my, in my household. I have an expectation, right? When you came in this church this morning, you had an expectation regardless whether that's what motivated you to come. In my opinion, you either needed to be refreshed, you needed the fellowship, you had an expectation that, you know, you're going to uh, hear truth. So you have an expectation. Each one of, if you're married, do you have an expectation? Absolutely. You know, we talked about it in grace marriage. And I love what they said. You know what happens a lot of times, and this happens, you can relate this to jobs. You can relate this to marriages. You can relate this to friendships. You can relate this to anything. <clears throat> it's, you can even relate it, like I'm looking at Carson. You can relate it to racing. When Carson goes to the racetrack, he's got an expectation to win. He don't go there just to show up to go practice. He's having an expectation. You have an expectation, okay? The not saying that they're bad, but they're what motivates your expectations is probably the key. 
because especially you know, and I'll spend on marriage because we discuss it so extensively at Grace Marriage is that if you have an expectation of your spouse and if that spouse isn't meeting that expectation what happens? Oh, what is it? Bitterness. Yeah. Strife. Arguments. Anger. Frustration. All those things come up, don't they? But what happens maybe if maybe he or she starts meeting that expectation? It's like, oh, well, it's about time you finally listen to somebody. You know, I've been married long enough to know. I've seen marriage long enough to know. My parents were married a long time. I know some of you. We all feel that same way, don't we? But what happens naturally? Oh, got to raise that bar. <laughs> oh, Mark, I'm glad you're doing doing the helping out with the clothes and and uh, helping. And I'm not saying this is. I'm not picking on Becky. I'm just giving you an example because my wife is phenomenal. Okay, and she has no expectation of me to do the things I do, but I do them because I love my wife. But just say, hey, more I needed some help doing the clothes or washing the dishes, cleaning the house, and say I'm not doing it, then that's when she's going to get mad, right? She's going to be disappointed. But then what happens if I start doing that and I start meeting those expectations here? Then what happens? Well, naturally, it's just human nature. You raise the bar, and you keep raising. Look at your job. How many of you? How many of you do the exact same thing on your job? If you've been doing it a number of years, that you did on day one. How many of you? Very few of you. Maybe one. Retirement. <laughs> yeah, when you retire, your boss. I promise you. The more you, the more, the longer you're there, the greater the responsibility you're going to have, the more expectation, right? Expectations and lack of commitment can kill relationship. And I'll tell you from my experience, it only deepens, it only deepens our rut that we're in. It doesn't help you get out of the rut. I mean, you look at God's word, Israelites, perfect example. What happened? Moses said, hey, look, I'm trying to lead you out of slavery. I'm going to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. And what ends up happening to them? They grumble. They wander in the desert for 40 years, eating the same thing, manna, drinking water, far away from milk and honey in it. Well, a lot of times they were in their own worst enemy because they were there because they grumbled. In this area of unmet unmet expectations, that lack of commitment, I want you to write down Hebrews 4.12, okay? I want you to write down Hebrews 4.12. It says this. For the word of God is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. 
It exposes us for what we really are. Ooh. Mm. Mm. I didn't need to hear that this morning, probably. It really exposes us. The Word of God has a way. So here's the deal. When you have expectations, you might want to make sure they line up with God's Word first. It's like your boss, okay? When you first get the job, you show up to work a little bit early, don't you? You get there with a zeal, man, you got something to prove. You get in that job within five years, you showing up right when you open up, you're doing just enough to get by, and you're clocking out as soon as five o'clock comes. The Bible says you do your work unto the Lord. Now, if you're doing just enough to get by, mm, that's not doing your work unto the Lord. In a marriage, in a marriage, God's word says this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands. Here's the deal. If he doesn't do his part, does it exclude you from doing your part? No. If she's not doing her part of submission, it doesn't exclude you from doing your part. You know, a lot of times we have found that if you do your part, the other one does their part. Husbands, you want your wife to submit to you? You better start loving her. You love her as Christ, love the church. Give her something to submit to you. Plain and simple. It ain't rocket science. Give them something to submit to. Wives, a lot of times you don't realize submitting to your husband is the most powerful thing you can do. You're not giving up anything. You're not giving up a thing. You're getting aligned with God's word. And that's what you have to do when you're in a rut. Last part is this, circumstances. That's the last area when they can put you in a rut. And I'll be very careful on this spot because let me tell you, circumstances in life, all of us have had our share of blows. There are things that totally knock us off the road that we didn't ask for, that we weren't tempted by, but it happens. And it's not fair. But you know what? Life ain't fair. I want you to write down Matthew 5, 45 up under circumstances. It says this, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. That means this. Hey, whether you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or not, you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. My wife has a saying that she's sort of adopted lately. And she says this, she says, Mark, I can't choose what I'll walk through. But I certainly can choose the attitude in which I'll walk through it. 
Now, for me, that's wisdom from my wife. You certainly can't choose what you'll walk through. But definitely try to choose the attitude in which you'll walk through it. We'll all have to deal with something that we don't want to at some point in our lives. The one thing that is a challenge is not to let it define who you are the rest of your days. I've seen things cripple people, and rightfully so, very hurtful things. <clears throat> but I think for me, the greatest, the greatest gift that you can do with a hurt is using that as an opportunity to minister. Some of you have dealt with things I hope I'll never have to deal with in my life. And a lot of them are very hurtful. But I do know this, that God doesn't waste a hurt, and neither should we. Trials, believe it or not, can bring authority to your life. They can absolutely bring authority. I look at people like my mother who went through cancer four times. Had And me and Becky were talking about the other day, how many surgeries did mom end up having? We tell, was it 12? It was 12 surgeries throughout her life. And I ain't talking about just like small surgeries. I'm talking about tremendous surgeries. And, um, and it was amazing. I mean, it truly was amazing how strong, and not taking anything away from my wife or anybody else, but I'm going to tell you, y'all, my mom was the strongest person I ever known in my life. And you know why she was strong? is because she didn't let those things define her. Cancer didn't stop her from fulfilling her purpose in nursing. She was called to nursing, and she did it. We may not have food on the table, but she's going to be out there at the hospital. <laughs> she may have trusted us. Said, and that's how I learned to cook. That's how, honestly how I learned to cook. Hey, Mark, you're going to have to finish supper. I got to go. They got a gunshot come through. I got to go work surgery. And she's gone. And now I'm there, left cooking. I, I'm 47. I made it. I rang it, taught me something. Those things that can knock us off the road creates compassion we are to see God's faithfulness we are to be able to see God's love we are to see endurance some of you guys are phenomenal with trials that you guys have went through and I see the endurance that you've had and stamina I'm so proud of you I truly am because for me you may not realize that you are not only a testimony but you're an encouragement to me that man I know if, if so and so can make it through that we got this we can do it trials can bring authority if you allow it but whatever you do don't get stuck in the rut you know that illustration that I used about coon hunting earlier with my father-in-law when he was wedged on the road in that rut do you notice did you catch what I said? I couldn't pull him backwards. When you're in a rut, you can't be pulled backwards out of it, y'all. You have to allow God to take the lead at that time. 
just like my father-in-law, I had to find a way to get in front of him. Now, if I had got my tractor, yeah, probably been a little bit different. But I was in something that can only aid him in what to get him out of that rut. So I had to make it in front of him. Life is no different. If you're stuck in a rut, you have got to let God and his word lead you out of it. You you don't have it in you to man it up. Because here, I'm going to tell you what, I'm just going to really be playing. You're going to screw it up. I'm going to be honest with you. You're going to screw up and you're going to have a mess on your hands. You're not only a bad mess, you're going to have a royal mess on your hands when you take matters in your own hands. Trust me, we will see the skill of, uh, the, we'll see the work of unskilled labor. That's just the truth. You have to let God lead you out of that rut and do it according to his word. But you've got to put forth effort, plain and simple. No, no different than my father-in-law. If he had put that thing in park and just sat back and just waited, he had been waiting till the cows came home because I couldn't have got him out of that rut. He had to put that truck in drive. He had to mash that gas and he had to use that steering wheel. God's giving you tools in your tool belt in this life, in this journey in truth that we're on. The biggest thing he's giving you is God's word. He's giving you truth. I have given you truth today in God's word. If you find yourself on the road, if you find yourself rubbed, or you find yourself in the rut, that's why I wanted you writing that in that scripture. It's so that you can go to those things and say, okay, how, am I, how can I rely on God to get me through this time or help me to stay on the road? I feel like I'm getting rubbed off the road. That's the purpose of God's word. That's the purpose of truth. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your word that no matter where we are, no matter where we, if we're on the road, whether we're being, feel like we're being rubbed or we're in the rut, God, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your word is true and God, it sets us free. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.